for Thought on WJR is presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for listening. Food insecurity manifests itself in many difficult ways. Lack of access to healthy food for the infant manifests itself with stunted physical growth and cognitive development. Those trusting babies, as a result, will never grow into the person they could be or the world needs them to be. Sadly, it is for a host of reasons that either caused or allowed the lack of opportunity to manifest itself in their lives, and one of those determinant factors is their zip code. The mad reality is that zip codes are an accurate predictor of success. And for the record, success, for our purposes, is defined as self-sufficiency. As many of you know, the Food Bank Council of Michigan has completed a study called the Self-Sufficiency Standard, and it informs us of how much money is enough for whom, where. The study is precise, and it paints an accurate picture of reality for over 719 different household types all across Michigan. Now a group has calculated the odds of a child and their parent has of succeeding. It's called the Opportunity Index, and it aims to measure what opportunity looks like in the United States. Since 2011, the index has provided a snapshot of conditions that can be used to identify and improve access to opportunity for the nearly 2,100 counties, which represents 97% of the U.S. population. Many factors other than zip codes influence the kind of opportunities that people have, starting with the unchangeable characteristics such as gender, race, ethnicity, genetic factors, and family background. The quality of parenting, a family's income, and individual health, as well as the health and safety of neighborhoods, the quality of schools, and the inclusiveness of one's community, all of these can respond to improvement, of efforts at personal, institutional, and societal levels. These conditions vary from place to place, as well as over time, and that is why these conditions are the focus of the Opportunity Index. Michelle Massey from the Opportunity Index is our guest, and she is back with Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio. Jerry, before we get to our guest, I thought it'd be good for us to chat a little bit about this work the Opportunity Index. You've looked at it a little bit. What are some of your impressions? Well, again, you know, I feel like one of the reasons we think this is a solvable problem. Food security is something we can have, and food insecurity is something we can solve, is because we keep getting smarter. Mm-hmm. And so you hear a lot of things about data. We've talked about it on the show several times, well, and it's we a value little wonky, it, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you start getting into all the the what's and where's and all the things you can learn, and, and, and we look at it from a lot of different angles. The Opportunity Index is really looking at what is the state of potential 
for people, mm-hmm. right? And I like the way that you kind of talked to me about it when we first talked about the show. You said maybe the most important thing about your ability to move forward is your zip code. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that's a really interesting thing. So, so the Opportunity Index really breaks down the community by a lot of different data sets and says, how's the employment situation? How's the health situation? How's the education situation? You know, and it compiles all that together and ranks states, counties, communities by the sum total of those factors to, to on, a, on a zero to a hundred scale. Right. And it's four areas that all those data sets get you know, kind of melted down into, so to speak. And that's the economy, education, health, and community. And I, I think they're measuring some things that that get, are really good indicators that, honestly, I don't think we've ever talked about before. For example, in the community, they're looking at the number or the percentage of people who are volunteering out of that zip code or that county or that city, whatever it might be. And, you know, I mean, I think that's a pretty good indicator that, quite frankly, I've really never thought about before. Well, and of course, we use so many volunteers. I was really interested in that one myself. You know, Uh can I get more? Right. (laughs) On a a 100-point scale, where am I? Should I be two points higher or 20 points higher? Well, it is such an important, volunteers are such an important part of our organizations across the state. And, and, uh, and, but I just think, you know, to have that measurement. And it, and normally we look at the economy and we measure that in different, you know, sets of data, tables that we, that we have access to. But to look at it, the percentage of people who are graduating, the percentage of three and four-year-olds that are involved in preschool, to look at it from the health perspective. Now, we talk a lot about health here on the show and our partnerships in that world, but this gives a little different lens for it. And, and then also then, like I said, the community. I think it's, pretty good study that I want to talk about with you later in the show about where I think this study has a place in our work. But we'll save that for later. Yeah. And reminding, you know, probably worth doing just a little bit of um, backtracking on some of the other things that we've talked about in terms of data. So, you know, Michigan Mapped is mm-hmm. another tool that we use that's similar. It uses a lot of publicly available data right. to help us understand the types of people we're serving. So remember, in order to solve this problem, we believe that we have to understand who's hungry, how much help they need, and for how long, right? It's critically important for us to have that understanding. And so we continue to deepen and enrich our understanding of the community to really get to answering those questions. And when we answer the first question, which is what? Who's Who's hungry? hungry? We figure out where they're living. Exactly right. And so now we know which communities, which zip codes, if you will, if we'll stay on that analogy, how much food do they need and for how long? And it tells us where they're at, and that's what our Michigan Mapped project has been able to accomplish for us, and it's been a great, great tool to inform our work. And as we 
look at the information in different ways, we can start to make some assumptions about the level of service being provided in those communities today and how that level should probably change if we want to see people's lives improve. So if the opportunity index is going up in a community, we can say that the level of service we're providing as we increase it is having an impact. Now, there's a lot of other things that go into this besides what Mm -hmm. we do, but it's the kind of tool and the kind of data that as we learn how to refresh it faster and better can really give us solid information about the impact we're having and how people's lives are improving. And that is what fundamentally we believe about Food First, that you cannot address the issues in this Opportunity Index without addressing Food First because it makes everything else harder. I think you're exactly right. I I appreciate how you framed that very, very much. And for us, again, we're defining success as people being self-sufficient so that they don't need any assistant programs from the government or from the charitable network either. So when they're self-sufficient, they don't need us. What a great day. Yeah, what a great day. Absolutely right. Great for them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great for us, but it's even better for for people who are successful in in every single way. Well, let's let's uh let's take a quick break and then let's bring uh, Michelle Massey to us. Uh, she is the director for Opportunity Nation, and they are the author of the Opportunity Index, and she's going to discuss that with us here on the show. Jerry and I will be right back in just a couple of minutes. It's Food for Thought on WJR with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brassard. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Michelle Massey, the director for Opportunity Nation, and uh, Opportunity Nation, Michelle, welcome to Food for Thought. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Opportunity Nation. Well, thank you for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> to speak to your audience today. Um, I'll start with a little bit about myself. So I am new to this role. I've been in it for four months, but I have spent my entire career and I would say my life to this point uh, dedicated to social justice, community organizing, giving voice to people who have often been left out of conversations, overlooked, surpassed, however you want to describe it. I started my career as a journalist. I was working primarily in the black press, the New Pittsburgh Courier. That was fundamental to me because the history of the black press has always been one to give voice to their community and to advocate for issues that impact not only African Americans in the United States, but which ultimately help to elevate all people. On a random, very random internet search for job postings, I saw this Opportunity Nation thing, and I'll admit I didn't know what it was before I came. (laughs) (laughs) But after reading about the organization and the transition, because one of the interesting things is when it was founded, it was under one organization, but now we are housed under the Forum for Youth Investment which is a Washington-based organization that has been around for two decades and doing fantastic work in youth development and social-emotional learning and all of those things that help uh, change the odds for young people in America. And so we found a home here. How would you boil that down? And, like, if you were going to say there's one or two things that are really critical that happen because of the work you're doing to make opportunity available, what would you say those one or two things are? 
I would say that it's our focus on data and information and good, getting good data into the hands of people who are working not only at the, the, the national and state levels, but local levels. There are a lot of community organizations, advocates, uh, leaders who are hungry for information that they could use to make real-time decisions for their own programs, but also to have conversations with the decision makers who can open up the, the budgets and who can change policies and practices so that people can do good work to reach the people that they need. And Michelle, um, is that is that come alive in, in what we are calling the Opportunity Index? It does. Okay. So the Opportunity Index is, is it's our major product. And, right. and product might not be the best word for it. It is a tool that we use to, to level set. So right. it allows people to put their zip codes in, and it will spit out information based on state and county levels that allows you to see what opportunity looks at. Well, looks that's like what we want to live. talk about in the next segment. We want you to unpack this uh, opportunity index for us uh, and how that we feel like with the population that we serve and the studies that we've done here in Michigan, that the Opportunity Index paired with some of the studies that we've done, such as the self-sufficiency standard, this is going to be a very good book-in um, way to look at the people that we're serving, where they're at today, what their opportunities are for today and tomorrow, and then where do they need to be looking at the self-sufficiency standard. So we're going to tie all that together, and we want you to talk with us about that index in our next segment. If everybody hangs on, Jerry... Michelle and me, Dr. Phil, will be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Brought to you by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We're back here on Food for Thought. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson in our studio, and Michelle Massey, the Director for Opportunity Nation in Washington, D.C. And Michelle, you guys have created what is called the Opportunity Index. Could you tell us uh, a little bit about that? And then we're going to see if Jerry and I can tie in how important this is even to our work. I absolutely can. So the Opportunity Index was founded in uh, 2011. That's when we launched um, the tool. It is a web-based um, annual composite measurement of economic, educational, health, and civic factors that foster economic mobility at both the county and state level. So we look at these four dimensions, again, of education, um, economy, health, and civic factors, community factors, and we try to unpack them across several indicators Mm -hmm. that would measure what those things look like in your community. So, for example, community and slash civic, we're, we're measuring volunteerism, voter registration, disconnected youth, community safety, access to healthy food incarceration rates and, and access to health care. Now, we believe these are the indicators that should they move up or down, they could determine your, your, your outcomes toward opportunity. So if your community is ranking low in these areas, then what are the solutions that you could focus on to try to elevate these factors and open up more opportunity for people in your communities? 
But on the flip side, if you're also ranking high, then what are you doing right and how can you share that information? Sure. And where can you continue to improve so that your community and everyone in, in your community is benefiting from your quote-unquote high rankings? Um, so we're about yeah. 30th in the state ranking. Michigan, I'm talking about. I'm looking at the opportunityindex.org uh, website right now, and our state rank is 30. Yes. Uh, so tell us what what does thirty mean? I mean, is thirty out of fifty? Is it is is that our score? Tell, help me understand this. So we strip it out. The rankings are zero to one hundred, um, and so it's a percentage. And there are scores that you can get for the county levels as well. But right. for now, we will focus on that that zero to one hundred. So it is when we work with our data partners at Child Trends, um, they have come up with a methodology where they're able to strip out all of the um, how they receive the information. So they're getting raw files from all publicly available sources. So the Census Bureau, American Community um, Survey. So this is publicly available data that is captured on the U.S. population. And the amount of data we receive um, breaks down to roughly being able to represent 97% of the U.S. population. We do have some holes in the data, and that's the reason why we're, you know, 3% of the population are not calculated because in some areas, particularly very rural communities, um, they're just not capturing the data that we are measuring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do rely on that information filtering up from those local areas and getting into these publicly available sources that we pull from. Let me turn it um, over to my co-host here because he's, I, he, I can just look at him across the <laughs> microphone, Michelle, and he's chomping at the bit to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, Absolutely. and to really kind of understand, practically speaking, a score of 30 out of 100. So, so first of all, do we know... Are 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 of the fifty U.S. states? Does that put us in the bottom third, the middle of the pack? I mean, do, do any states have a hundred, a score no. of a hundred? No, the highest ranking score that we are seeing um, is a sixty-three point three. So no one is doing exceptionally well because there is always room for improvement. Okay. Um, hmm. And so these, and what these state methods, is that, Michelle? Do you know? Just say, just please say it's not Ohio. <laughs> it's, it's Vermont. It's Vermont. Okay, um, Vermont. All right, good, good. Go ahead. Please continue. But the, the point being is, you know, we don't want it to become one of those things where people who are ranking high and say, see, yay, we've done it. We've got no more work to do. No, you, right. you have a lot of work right. to do because yeah. 63.3 still isn't um, stellar. You know, and and there's always populations in communities and in states that could um, could use more access or, or or have the opportunity for more access. And so we don't want this to be one of those um, measurements where people just go, "We've done great, and we're out of here." Um, we want to use this to challenge states and to challenge counties um, and communities to be able to say, "We can always do better." And if we're not speaking to opportunity for all of our citizens, all of our residents, then where's the, where, where can we do better? Um, I think, too, so, I, I'm looking at the economy side of this, and Jerry, I, I want to get both of y'all's reactions to this, because in Michigan, we talk about being the comeback state, and uh, certainly we came back from a pretty significant recession uh, ending somewhere around 2009, 2010, 
And one of the things that we've done over the last eight years is really lower our our unemployment rate. So the national unemployment rate is 4.1. Michigan's is 3.7. Mm-hmm. But the median household income, we're about $4,500 less than the national average, although our unemployment is about four-tenths of a percentage point less than the national average. So it's something we talk about on the show quite a bit, that that living wages and and the scale of wages uh, for the jobs that people are 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 finding here and discovering in Michigan is not keeping up with the need that they have in the household. Now, right. Stagnant wages, exactly. And you know, we we try to caution people of always talking about just the low unemployment rate because as we see the cost of everything else rising around us, except you know, how our paychecks going up, mm-hmm. then that affects how people are able to spend their money and able to get their basic needs met. Um, so whereas someone may be employed, what is the, the quality of that job? Um, are we looking at jobs that not only offer uh, livable base wages, but what about uh, health care? Uh, and other fringe benefits that are usually considerations as part of your of, as part of your full compensation package. And our um, poverty rate is higher in Michigan, fifteen point eight percent, to the national average of fourteen point seven, over one okay. percent higher than the national average. Exactly, and that and says so that's where we you know you unpack these these indicators a bit more. Um, the opportunity index gives you a a starting line. Right. So we always say that it level sets. It allows you to look at the numbers and have the conversation, but then you should unpack them and figure out who are those partners that you need at the table to have these similar conversations with you. And as we see, nothing exists in a silo. All of these discussions happen. You can be focused on economy. Your organization could be looking at wages and running campaigns, but then are you talking to the organizations that are looking at health care access? Are you talking to the organizations that are looking at healthy food access? Right. And how are you serving similar populations? Because I can almost guarantee that if you have a participant in your program, they are also a participant in several other programs trying to get their needs met. Jerry, you found that to be true at Gleaners. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, when when we look at the number of people, for example, we serve who are actually employed, it's 47% of the households. So, so obviously, the economic indicators, as well as the access to healthy food indicators, become things that make sense to look at together when you look at how many people are employed who are getting emergency food. I think the other thing, I, I know we talked about um, these are updated, you said, annually, correct? Right. I heard that. Yeah. So once a year, these are updated. So you can, at least over a year's worth of time, look at the cumulative impact of what the community has done in the last year to kind of get a sense of what directionally are you moving up or down. And just for our counties, how many years of data have you collected for Michigan and the counties in Michigan? So I want to say that, um, and this is one of the things where, you know, don't hold me to this, but I I believe Michigan, because you are large enough and you have been collecting um, data, sophisticated data for years, you are probably part of, and I would 100, you know, okay, 99% say that you were captured back in the original index, which goes back to 2011. Hmm. So we've got about eight years of data that you can look at for Michigan. Wow. 
And that, I think, I mean, I, again, as we talk about our work and why we think that food security can happen, one of the reasons we say that can happen is because we're getting smarter. And being able to look back at these trends over over time is something we can do to inform our work as as we see the now again it's this is these are broad there's a lot of data sets in here so we can't quite pinpoint when we do better what exactly happens to the opportunity index but at least we can take a look at our whole community and say well as a community we're trending in this direction and here's how our contribution to that might make a difference and i think that's important i think it's a uh, starting point for sure the opportunity index is Really, I mean, we've got the the end with the self sufficiency standard, right? We're going to talk about that more later in the show, but it's opportunity index. I think gives us a good starting point. So, Michelle uh, Michelle Massey, the director of Opportunity Nation, and you guys, would it be correct to say that you are the author of the Opportunity Index? Yes, that is correct. And we can and find said- we can find that at opportunityindex.org. Yes, yes. And can I add another? We recently released a metropolitan level opportunity index in which the Detroit, Warren, and Dearborn MSA were, was studied as part of that pilot. Right. So it gives you a little bit more uh, localized as opposed to just the state mm-hmm. snapshot. We were able to drill down to that MSA and look at how it fares in terms of some of the indicators in the, the opportunity index. We're going to want to have you back to talk about that in a future show. Uh, She's Michelle Massey. She's the director for Opportunity Nation, and they are the author of the Opportunity Index. And you can find that at opportunityindex.org. Michelle, thanks so much for being on Food for Thought with Jerry and me. Thank you for having me, and I do look forward to coming back uh, on a future show. Thank you. Jerry and I will be right back in just a moment. Welcome back to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here on Food for Thought. And Jerry, um, I am really interested in this study, the Opportunity Index. And I said earlier in the show, I wanted to throw this little tidbit out at you, uh, why I think it's relevant to our work. And... um, Folks can't see this, but I drew a very complicated diagram in my notebook here, which is really like a a line with words written on each end, (laughs) right? So not very complicated. I see the Opportunity Index as a baseline, as a starting point. And I think one of the things it does, it tells us in a way that we've not looked at it before how difficult it is, how challenging it is for people to get over the many hurdles they have to when they got a little bit more month than they do money in order to reach self-sufficiency. I'd like your reaction. Well, I think that by looking at where people start, um, so you can understand how much work it is to get to where you want to end, Right. And mm-hmm. so one of the things and we did this in a in a in our board retreat last year, we had everybody start at the same place and all standing in a line next to each other. And then we described we gave everyone a description of a 
of a person uh, from from real life. Mm-hmm. You know, one was a doctor, one was a plumber, one was unemployed, one had a couple kids early in life, you know, just different life Scenario. stories. Yeah. And we said, now, you know, if your circumstances, you had access to health care, take a step forward. Mm. If in your circumstances, you made a living wage, take a step forward. If in your circumstances, you had access to excellent education for your entire life take a step forward and we had about 25 or 30 questions that we would that we asked people to take a step forward if this applied to them at the end of that you had people all across the spectrum some people that had only taken two steps forward and other people that had taken all 30 steps forward and so when you looked at the prize at mm-hmm. the end you could see that some people were pretty close to reaching it and others were still pretty far away. Wow. So the Opportunity Index Great visual. That's a great visual. Well, it helps us reflect about what the truth is for people just based on where they're born and the circumstances they're born into. And it quantifies that. It puts it on a scorable chart that says, if you start here, it's going to be more work for you to get to the end of the line, right? Well, we talk about zip code, you know, being a determinant, a a good predictor of success, which we're defining as self-sufficiency, right? That goal at the end of the 30 steps you just described. So, you know, we've said, you've heard it said a hundred million times in your life that, you know, no child asked to be born in, they have no choice in what family they're born in. And they don't have a choice in what zip code they're born in either, are any of these other predictors of success that is outlined in the Opportunity Index. So what inspires me is how many people make it anyway. Right. How many people who who start with some disadvantages find the wherewithal and the inner strength and the relationships to make it far beyond any expectation you could reasonably have. Now, we know that there's people that don't make it, right, that struggle to make it, that, you know, that have so many obstacles in their life, they're always going to need some amount of help. But it's amazing to me how many people, no matter where they start on that index, make it anyway. And what food security does is it makes it easier, Right. When people become food secure and we take that problem off the table, no matter where they start in this index, we are going to make it easier to get to the end. Now, it's not the only thing people need. No. But but we know that without it, everything else is harder. Well, Jerry, they just need it first. Right. Because as we've said on the show through the two year history is that if you're hungry, you only have one problem. Because your mind is held captive by that toxic stress of what am I going to eat today and what am I going to give my children? And if you have that problem, if you're living under that, that toxic stress, your mind's not free. You can't think about whatever, even if the opportunity is in front of you, you can't think about that. You can't process that in a, in a very intentional manner. Because you're dealing with the emergency of what am I going to give my child? And, you know, as we've said before, and, you know, being the Southern gentleman that's moved to Michigan, um, this job, this position as the executive director of the Food Bank Council makes me think entirely different about snow days. Oh, right. Because if it happens on a Friday or it happens on a Monday, 
that's just three or four days that a child who's living in this wrong, this difficult zip code, these set of circumstances where they don't have access to healthy, nutritious food. And so may go three or four days without food because there's no school. Right. Makes you think different. Well, it does. And, and, and of course, thinking differently is how we're going to solve the problem, too. Becoming aware, taking that awareness and turning it into solutions is the miracle. Yeah. Well, was it Albert Einstein who said that we can't solve the problems with the same thinking that created the problems? Right. Right. I, there's another saying I like too, and I don't. I don't know who to attribute it to. I probably you should contribute know. it to me. Go I'll ahead. I'll attribute it to you. But it's this: the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Well, so, so we don't want to oversimplify the challenges that we face, but we do want to say we're getting more information. We're using that information with the other things we know to drive effective solutions where we can have a baseline a solution, and then measure the change so we know what it costs to create that change so we can say this is what that investment returned and how quickly it returned it. I want to talk a little bit just to remind folks about the self-sufficiency standard. So if the opportunity index is kind of the, the baseline, it's one bookend to this, it's kind of the starting point. This is a way to measure the the uh, intensity or the number of challenges people have, the self-sufficiency standard would be the 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 other bookend. It would be the goal that people are self-sufficient and they are they're not in need of any service. They're able to to live and dream and build their own lives without help from any programs, whether that be charitable or government. So I think looking at that population that we're committed to serving, and we're both and the rest of our network are investing our collectively one handful of life into this work, I think it gives us a starting point, but it also shows us an end point and what's possible. And what when you make a difference, how much difference you can really make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, I think I think you can start to see those opportunity indexes grow as we more and more successfully eliminate food insecurity as one of the things people have to face. So we talk about stability, health, and empowerment as the three areas besides economic impact. Besides the economic impact, That we really know our work is making a difference. And so the fewer trade-offs people have to make, whatever circumstances they're in, the better they can tackle the rest of their problems on their own. And another thing, I think it's worth repeating People want to solve their own problems. As a general rule, people want to solve their own problems. They don't wake up in the morning and say, I wish someone would come fix me. They wake up in the morning and under the circumstances they have, they say, how am I going to solve my own problems today? How am I going to manage this? Exactly right. And so by making it easier for people to do that, we know we'll have an impact and we have ways to measure that impact. And that's how we're going to solve this ultimately. Well, Give me those four areas that we believe when we put food in someone's household and we take hunger off the table, 
What are the four areas it, it has immediate impact? Well, so we know it has economic impact, right? It acts like revenue. Food acts like revenue because if people get the food, they can spend their money on solving other things. So economic impact. But then stability. A household that's food secure, that doesn't have to worry about where am I going to get my next meal, they end up being able to do things like pay their rent or pay their utilities or things right. that would otherwise destabilize their household. It reduces stress. Reduce stress stabilizes the household. So certainly economic impact, stability, health. There's a lot of connections between healthy, nutritious food and ultimately your health. Right. Very obvious. We know that by providing this food, we're improving the health of the community. And empowerment, again, by giving people time to solve other problems besides hunger, they are empowered to fix the rest of their issues, whatever they are in their life. Those challenges that are illustrated in the Opportunity Index. Exactly right. Well, I guess it's time for a little food for thought. After a life upset, I was food insecure, and the emotional impact it had on me was debilitating. Years before, I was once a professional and wore a suit to work most every day. When in the midst of trying to survive, I looked at my closet one day and saw all those suits, and I thought this, I should just give those suits away. I'm never going to wear them again. Fortunately, things got better, and now I have the privilege of leading the Food Bank Council of Michigan, and yes, I wear some of those suits to work most every day. I don't say this lightly, but I do say to those of you who are struggling to hang on, I do not think that there is any other quality so essential to success of any kind as the quality of perseverance. It overcomes almost everything, even nature or depression. After all, it was by perseverance that the snails finally reached the ark. I want you to hang on too. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to find and follow Jerry and me on Twitter and catch all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.